We are power crystals, getting cute, critical, and, and metaphysical. Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. We're good. All right. Um, welcome to a new episode of We Are Power Crystals. My name is Leah, and I'm here with Jason. We have a really special episode today because, you know, power crystals live all over the world, and we're all looking for each other. And we want to introduce you to a new addition to the power crystal, someone that you've actually met before in our first um, cycle of episodes. We're um, so excited to bring Katie Robinson into the power crystals fold as one of the, you know, creators that is going to be a part of like, you know, um, our episode. So Katie, welcome. Hello. Yay. Hello. Welcome, Katie. I'm so <laughs> pumped to be here and so pumped to just like talk with you and, and be cute and critical and metaphysical and just like break some boundaries down and break some relationships in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Break them in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> We knew, like, when I met you, Katie, I just knew, like, straight up, you're, you're a power crystal. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. like, knew. And you're, like, I think one, you're, I think you were the first, epi- you were in the first episode where Jason and I talked to someone that's not us. Like, you were the first person that we were, really? like, I mm-hmm. think so. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, I think you I was the only. the first person that we were, like. It was like the third yeah. episode. Yeah. We didn't really have a plan to talk to other people. And then I met you and was like, oh, my God, we got to get Katie on here because Katie can definitely contribute to these conversations. And so that's how, like, I knew that you were going to be a part of this. <laughs> oh, man, that's just like, I can't believe I was like the first, like, interview person or, like, contributor. Yeah. That's such an honor to be there to to be with y'all for so long yeah and I feel like when I saw because we met in um in school yeah and I remember like seeing your picture and being Mm -hmm. like who is that like what a cool girl (laughs) like I want to be I know I want to be her friend (laughs) like let's um let's see and then it's just like all my suspicions were um, yeah affirmed and it's really funny too because it's like I feel like almost right away you were like I have this friend Jason and you need to meet and yeah. like I feel like I was hearing about Jason for like immediately like so long before we actually met Jason so it's just like so fun to be here with y'all in this capacity yeah Same. Jason and I were actually just talking about how not in this like cloying overly sweet like martyry way but like this really amazed way we were talking about how lucky we are to have met each other Mm. and feeling that like wow we the three of us have such similar perspectives but also can handle 
differences in our perspectives and Mm -hmm. also our perspectives feel very like out of the outside of the norm and what a miracle that we intersected and then also like of course not a miracle totally intentional that we intersected um but yeah so it's it's very cool to finally like officially let everyone know that you're here yeah (laughs) so we want to like get to know you and we want people to get to know you and I'm wondering, Jason, would you like to mm-hmm. start this little interview? <laughs> sure. So we're going to uh, get to know you a little better, Katie, with some rapid fire questions. Um, just fun, silly questions that help to paint a picture of who Katie is. Let's go. Uh, okay. <laughs> Question the first. What was <laughs> what was the first concert you went to? The first concert I went to, I'm pretty sure was Ricky Martin. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was in like second grade or something, and my friend had um, uh, like a box at the Target Center in Minneapolis because her dad was rich, and she was like, "Do you want to come to this Ricky Martin concert?" And I was like, "Definitely, yes." <laughs> Um, it was, it was amazing. I remember having a great time, super lit. Um, what is, well, what is your favorite movie? Oh God, favorite movie. Um, or a favorite movie. I, I watched Space Jam a lot as a kid. Mm. Like over and over and over again. I could probably still repeat it. That and like Spice World. Mm-hmm. Um, those were kind of, I went back and forth, you know, always a switch as a child. <laughs> um, what else though? Favorite movie? I really, in high school, I was really into Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched that one a lot. It was like, you know, just as dark as I wanted it to be. <laughs> um, wow. I want to talk yeah, about all those things ones. with you. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Want to talk about all those things with you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can. Okay. Do you have a favorite city to visit? Um, I, I mean, I honestly feel like any place on the ocean. Mm. I feel like I don't have a favorite city, but I just, just regionally, I'm like anywhere I can see the ocean is my favorite to visit. Yeah. What food do you eat when you want to feel comforted? Food, comfort food. Um, I feel like my go-to is um, butter noodles with mm-hmm. with Parmesan, lots of Parmesan. Ooh. Um, also, Oreos are like super comforting. Um, good bread. Yeah. Feels comforting. Um, smelling um, like green chilies being roasted is super comforting. Oh, wow. Um, because I was born in New Mexico and my aunts did a lot of cooking. And so I'm like, whenever I smell that, it's like, oh, oh, like, re- you know, like young yeah. memory. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. That's oh, where really? yeah. um, like my grandparents lived in New Mexico. Oh, and really? So where? I know the exact chilies you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hatch green chilies, yo. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. So chicken noodle soup, too, is probably hella comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The soda on the side. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Tell us about a time where you got into trouble. Oh, getting into trouble. Dang, I feel like I feel like there was one time I'm like which one do I choose a little bit? Well, I feel like the the one that stands out most for me is when I was in like the 5th grade and I just like smacked this person. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and it was like really like I'm like not typically like you know, throwing hands kind of person, but this was like this person was just like super mean and she like thought we were friends, but we weren't because she was mean. And then she was like in a joking way, kind of like hit me. And then I just like hit her back, like in her face. And it was, and I was like immediately like, Oh my God, what did I do? Why did I do that? Um, mm. Yeah. So that was the time yeah. I got in trouble. Yeah, I had to, like, sit down with my teacher and, like, talk it out. It was horrible. It's like, whoa, mm. shame. That's what shame is. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I want to ask one last rapid fire question and maybe mm-hmm. we'll, like, move it along. Yeah. When you were in school or now, what would you – what were your extracurriculars? Like, what were the hobbies and things that you did? Hobbies? I was, like – I feel like I had like official hobbies and then like unofficial hobbies. Yeah. Like, like officially I was like an athlete and just like did all the sports all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly soccer spent like my whole childhood on soccer fields. Um, but then like unofficially I was like, I watched a lot of history channel um, mm. a lot of TLC, like all those like what not to wear and like, <laughs> neat clean freak I think it was called neat freak I don't remember mm-hmm. um yeah so I feel like I had like a lot of like kind of undercover interests um did a lot of drawing and a lot of writing like always 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 I just found a bunch of old diaries from like fifth and sixth and seventh grade which is really wild but yeah always like writing and then yeah just lots of sports soccer basketball mm-hmm. mostly when did you get into poetry as like a very like focused thing yeah that's a good question I like I I very vividly remember writing like kind of what I like would consider my first poem and it was when I was 10 and then I think you know I probably did some things before that too but then I I remember like it always being like present with me whenever I could get my hands on it or like whenever I had to write a poem or write an essay, like there was always, it was like a, it was always a part of me. And then it really wasn't until after college where I was like, I am a poet, like I am an artist. Um, It just took a long time for that to like, for me to be able to name that as part of my identity because it was just like, I was just always like playing sports and I did like, I did tap and dance and some theater stuff too, but it was like mm-hmm. to like claim something as my own. It took for, it took a while. Mm. What was the thing that pushed you to like claim that? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of us struggle with, like 
being told we're not artists or like that you do it, you dabble, but that's not like your yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's super, it was like a wild, wild in a moment of wild, um, like just like synchronicity. And so, yeah, like my mom had just died. Um, and it was like, mm. like a month or two after this is actually a really dope story. Um, and I was at this cafe that was like queer, um, trans, um, like POC owned. Um, and I ended up working at that cafe later, but I was just sitting there cause I had just gotten back from college. Um, my mom had just passed away and I was like just coming out all at the same time. And mm. it was like, okay, I'm going to go to this cafe and I'm going to like take out my journal and I'm going to like be a writer. And so it's just really just like really young, innocent, like experimentation, you know, like, okay, I'm going to put this identity on, like see how it feels. Yeah. Maybe other people will believe it, you know? And then I'm sitting down and there's this woman at the table behind me, um, this black woman. And she was like, so are you an artist? Because I pretty much know all the black women artists in this city and I don't know you. So like, who are you? Hmm. And I was like, oh my God, what? Like, like dream come true, you know, like finding community, <laughs> being recognized, like <laughs> that type of thing. Um, so then I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm writing a poem right now. And she's like, oh, so you're a poet. Um, oh, so you're an artist. And I ended up, I mean, yeah, like, I ended up um, helping her on this show that she was putting on this like kind of like cabaret type type like um, showcase of POC um, women artists. And then mm. that's like literally where I met my partner. And then that's like, yeah, everything wow. kind of started in that moment. Yeah. That's Super such wild. A, like Wizard of Oz moment in a way. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Like to just be embrace, like someone finding you and like, welcome to this world, and we're so happy you're here. Oh, yeah, literally. That's really cool. That's um, wild. I love that. And so, I want to, I want to move into like a more the the bigger, juicier questions. Do you have yeah. any other rapid fires, Jason? Before we. No, I'm ready for the next okay. round. Okay, round two. <laughs> um, you know, this in this in this podcast we talk about things that are cute, critical, and metaphysical, and we put a lot of like weight, I think, on the the criticalness. And so, where can you talk about like how, where, and how where you grew up? What was it like? And then we'll maybe lean into like how you became a politicized person but like wh where'd you grow yeah. up and what was it like well I grew up in Minneapolis um it was really cold um and it was but also like really beautiful um and I so so I feel really aligned with like what it's like to have seasons um, because time is just like marked for you by the seasons here in such a dramatic way. So it was constantly kind of like changing. Um, and it was, you know, like really white. Um, I am mixed. My mom was white and my dad is black. And we went to like a prep, like mostly white prep school. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, 
all all the things you can assume and think about that are just true basically mm. Mm. um but i was really lucky that i had um like a group of like five close friends who i was able to um uh, like um other black and brown women who i was able to just like link up with and who really you know like they're the reason i survived um yeah. So that was really great. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I think there are ways in which it's like, obviously, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of love and like a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunity. And then also mm-hmm. the other side of that being like, kind of gaslighty or kind of like, mm-hmm. you're telling me I can do this, but the actions are kind of saying the opposite or just kind of constantly like in the in the crossfire of just like what it is to be a mixed person or you know being queer or gender you know expansive or whatever it's kind of like you know some nepantlera stuff Um, so I think I'm like just learning a little bit more about that and like what how that has affected me psychically and spiritually, emotionally, all of that. Um, And just like kind of learning to claim it and particularly learning to claim the parts that were hard. Cause it's really wild because it's like, I feel, you know, talking about that critical piece, like I feel like I've been so oriented to these are the ways I had privilege, you know, like with Mm. ability and, um, you know, body size and mm-hmm. money and education and being, you know, light skinned and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And then really recently, you know, kind of like precursor to uprising, it was like this whole like awakening of like, I don't know, I don't know, like shit was hard, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there were things that are, you know, coloniality, white supremacy that like got to you and affected you. And it's like, it's okay to look at those things too. Um, yeah just be strategic about when you do it, you know, like, yeah, I feel like that's like such a mantra of privilege. Like just don't do it all the time everywhere in every room, but like, you know, be strategic about it. Yeah. 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 So you're in Minneapolis now. Yeah. And you're present for, you know, you, you lived through and were participating in the movement that arose from the murder of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and the black lives matter uprising is do you feel like minneapolis was always some the city that it is now or has it changed or how is your perception of it from when you were a kid to now dang that's such a good question y'all yeah like i feel oh i mean when i was a kid it was very much like you know i have my house which is in you know like uptown a bougie neighborhood kind of place And then it was like I would be either going to school or driving out to the suburbs to go to basketball or soccer tournaments. Yeah. Um, And it was like that. And then like moving back here as an adult, it's like, oh, my God, there's all of these places that I didn't know existed. And like whole communities, you know, because there's a lot of different immigrant communities here that I'm like, oh, I I didn't even know. I didn't even know, you know. And I think like – Oh, it's still, you know, in the process of, I'm still in the process of making meaning out of the the uprisings and whatnot, but it's just yeah. kind of like, it's completely 
different. It's like, you know, physically it's different, but also just seeing how people are interacting. Um, Like something I was saying or thinking about, it's like when physical things burn, like psychic things burn with them. And so I think we are all like kind of stripped down to, to some of our core like essences and traumas and, and all of it. So I think it's, I mean, yeah, everything is different now. Everything is different now. Yeah. Yeah. Jason? Um, I'm still thinking about what you said when physical things burn, psychic things burn. Mm-hmm. It's really deep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um where do we go next? That really mm-hmm. makes me think about, I know we're into, I'm sorry. The, the really yeah. like is m- making me think about like the presence of fire. And I know we've talked about this in maybe other episodes or just like between the three of us, we've talked about like fire being super present here, but like fire in the last couple of years has been like very present burn things. Burning is like a constant, like it's like we just have fire seasons and we're just waiting for things like, to go you know starting with that australian fire not starting with but like the australian Mm. fire and then like the oh the amazon i forgot about the amazon the amazon yeah um california yeah there was big ones last year there's Mm -hmm. some right now a giant one right now i guess it's like the third largest in the history of the u.s or something right now i don't even know maybe i'm making that up but it, it just what you're saying is so true and it just makes me wonder like what is it what is the psychic process that's happening right now i don't know but if physical things burn and psychic things burn then this is a constant we're in a constant state of fire physically and psychically Mm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, I feel like it's it's so um, like there's just no way around it. I think that's something that I feel like people in Minneapolis have have experienced in a way that it's like if you haven't like watched your your everyday surroundings, you know, burn. It's kind of yeah. like there's just no way around it. You know, there's just not, which I think is what the power is, which I think is what is changing and shifting everybody right now. It's like, and we've talked about this before, but it's like, you learn that none of this is solid. Yeah. And it's been, you know, these are, this landscape that has been solid for like our whole upbringing is like, oh, that's just different and gone now. And it, to see people flood in the streets and to see like tanks in the streets and all these things, it's just like, nothing is solid and so then and then then it's like the internal part is like well I guess I'm not solid either you know like I think there's definitely some 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 swirliness there some mirroring yeah totally Mm -hmm. yeah yeah hmm um okay then i guess i'll ask the next question i just don't want to do all the talking i feel like i always talk too much um you're good so how did you become politicized how did your political consciousness develop 
Yeah, I think like, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I think there's a certain way in which being mixed and like being being raised in a mixed household I, I just feel like it was there just a certain part of myself that was always politicized because it was like, you know, you never fit in. Yeah. Um, and, and there was always like, there was always subtext that was kind of that I sensed and that I felt yeah. between, you know, the dynamics between my mom and my dad and the dynamics between, um, like, my brother and, like, my sister and I being, um, you know, raised as women. Um, so just, like, all of those subtle dynamics, I feel like, were always a part of, like, of me. And I always wanted to go deeper and, like, talk about them and, like, understand them even before I knew that's what I was trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about too, like, I feel like a certain part of my politic that I'm trying to reclaim right now is just like going at a way slower, more meandering speed than like capitalism allows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I write slow, like process. I mean, like sometimes processing will be fast, but like even like I cook really, really slow. I'm like, I like to take long, like slow walks and, um, yeah explaining things really slow and just wanting to go deep so I feel like I feel like there are certain parts of me that like knew these things very early on right I mean as like for all of us um but then and I mean like even as a kid I like knew that there was I was like a major like hippie and was like (laughs) like was a hippie for Halloween like several years in a row in grade school and like there was something about like even that like very you know, what we know now is just, like, kind of, like, a made-up kind of myth kind of yeah. um, archetype of, like, oh, counterculture. But there was something about that that was really attractive to me. Um, and then it just kind of stayed and evolved and developed. Um, and I learned more and learned more, you know, that kind of thing, just, like, going, always wanting to go deeper, always really being interested in, like, freedom and, like, yeah. the freedom to go as slow as I need to. Um, looking back at, um, at the, the diaries that I mentioned too, it was like, oh my God, being a high schooler, man, like high school did not work for me. Like every, everything about it, everything about it, the structure, what time of day, how much homework there was, like, you know, how friends developed and the whole grades thing, like none of it was working for me. And I was very conscious of that. Like, Mm. I, I like looking back I was I was just surprised to be like oh my god I knew I knew I needed something different so early on you know yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I it's interesting that you talk about slowness because well, that wasn't like what I thought you would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like, it's interesting to like, that that's like what you relate to politics mm-hmm. or, or like your politicization. And even just like this idea of like the, like an, the image of 
being drawn to the image of like the hippie as like this archetypal like rebel or like you know like someone that pushes against and like maybe not even knowing what mm -hmm. that is but that you're drawn to the push against part of it mm -hmm. or like the outsider part of it um is really interesting because i think like we're all in a moment of understanding who we are politically right now we can't hide mm -hmm. from it you know that's right yeah and and so it's like but what is what paradigm are people coming from when they think about politicization and politics like are because you could have just said like oh i became a registered democrat when i was blah 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 <laughs> age and, right you know, like it could have been a very binarized colonial modernist like interpretation of that journey but you like built in things that contribute to the way you see yourself politically which i think is such a lesson for all of us to like look mm -hmm. at look at how we arrive at politicization rather than what the politicization is that's really fun. yeah mm -hmm. totally and i i feel like it is such a thing of like when you have certain marginalized identities, like there's like this idea of like, yeah, like I registered as this and I was this age. It's like you opt into politics, but it's like when you have those marginalized identities, it's like you can't not, it can't not be a part of you. Like it, like yeah. it's in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about, um, I'm still thinking about fire and it's thinking about your poetry and this slowness that helped to form you. I'm thinking of like slow burning, smoldering Ooh. fires that you can't tell are fires, but you can see the smoke. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you feel like a slow burning fire? Oh, <laughs> at my best, I think at my best. <laughs> But then again, I'm just like, why are you like demonizing when you explode? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because I think that there's a lot of power in that too. But I think my ideal would be a slow burn. Because I think when I feel like a slow burn, I'm not leaning into scarcity um, or leaning yeah. into, I mean, yeah, scarcity of love, scarcity of time, scarcity of attention. Um and I like, yeah, I like that. I'm going to remember that next time I feel like I'm going to explode. Just like, yo, remember the slow burn. You can be a slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Wow. Um, were we going to ask this question on decoloniality? I mean, we should definitely talk about it because decoloniality is not absent. Right. Um okay how would you rephrase it i don't know we should just throw it in there so the oh. original question was how did you arrive at decoloniality um do you want to share anyone why that feels like a weird question now why what why that feels like a odd question or a dated question dated from like two months ago for real <laughs> from the very old world yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true though 
Yeah, yeah. that question. Um, well, for one thing, I don't like the way that it's phrased with arrive at as if decoloniality is an endpoint because it's absolutely not. And I also feel like, you know, we are going to have an episode about this, but like, I feel like the three of us are now obsessed with paradigms. Yeah. And a, a paradigm is not a process. And the way that question is phrased makes it looks like it makes it look like decoloniality is like a process or something. And Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know it it's it like kind of speaks to how much maybe we didn't understand it even when we mm. phrased the question like Jason and I came up with that question um but decoloniality is definitely an important I think part of all of our our journeys that differentiates us from maybe the mainstream narrative around activism, personal development, politicization, like not everyone takes that decolonial turn. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to keep it in there, but like how can we reframe the way we understand it? It feels like it's becoming more for me, like kind of like a background process, like, Mm. It feels like the eyeshadow base. It's like a primer, like (laughs) the thing that other things are being built on, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily know it's there all the time. Um, Or you don't have to, I don't know. It's featured in a way that is maybe not obvious all the time, but I feel like for us, it's something that is always on the table. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I know that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's also important to note that like some people have never even heard that word too. So real. Yeah. It's an important thing, especially when people talk about decolonizing or decolonized, but not decoloniality, um, which is to kind of like you're saying, Leah, differentiate something that is like a checked box into something that's a little bit more fluid or constantly in process or like Mm -hmm. never at rest. Yeah. It's always in motion. Thematic and persistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, hmm, go for it. No, go for it. I was just thinking about one of the words you said was decolonized. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is the we like that does not jive with me at all. Yeah. Like it doesn't make it oh, I'm decolonized now. I did yeah. it. You know, which is the same thing as like arrived. It's like this yeah. cake uh-huh. is done. I'm like, no, that's yeah. not that's not. Yeah. Um, well, and then I guess like interpret the question in whatever way feels good to you, Katie. Mm-hmm. But I guess, like, how did you integrate Maybe, mm-hmm. decoloniality into your experience or understanding of yourself or the world? Or, like, how did it soon, how did it, like, end up being, like, a, a an ingredient in the recipe of, like, yeah. your work? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Could we say, like, when did you start a relationship with decoloniality? Yeah. Or when did you yeah. come to... In, yeah come into relation with it yeah 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I like that. Um, Relation. Yeah, I feel like this is another one of those things that's like I had a relationship with it long before I knew its name. Yeah. And I think that's for so many people, so many people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, like I'm trying to go back into deep memory to be like, okay, where did I, where did I know it? And I think it was, it was typically in art um, and in, you know, like performance or poetry I would read of like something here I can tell is not in the push pull of like, Mm. you know, activism or quote unquote politics or like, it's not doing that game. Like it's beside that game and it's looking in on it. So I'm guessing, I I mean, I kind of feel like the first place I encountered it before knowing its name was like, I got really into like meditating in high school Mm. um, and like lucid dreaming And so I guess I kind of came to it through spirituality in a certain way or like my first kind of like explorations of like this. Yeah, I guess it's like explorations of consciousness really to like to experience a different consciousness and to have a knowing that it could be different. Um, And it and, and I feel, yeah, like really grounded in in like eighth, ninth, tenth grade just having such a deep knowing that like, oh my God, people, people are out there in the world and they are doing things that are totally different than what I'm doing. Yeah. And like knowing that I had certain access to that, like through lucid dreaming, but like not, not full access. So it's kind of like, it was, it was a like, cause I was like going to marches and like doing, doing some of that as well. But then also knowing there was like this kind of other world that like the whole way we're seeing all of it could be different. And so I think that landing on decoloniality, like basically in our program, that particular word, it kind of, it named some things that I had been like feeling and knowing for a while about shifting your whole orientation to what is happening. You know, um, it's not, um, and I think like a big part of that was shifting from like, I'm going to save the world to like, wh- whatever else, you know, like, I really came at it with a savior kind of, kind of thing for a while, but also knowing that like, there must be another way to orient towards suffering, because that's really what it was, you know, like, mm. what, how do we, there, there are different ways to think about um what's going on and maybe those are maybe those ways are our solutions does that make sense yeah 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 i love that because it is something i mean like when we talk about decoloniality we're talking about un examining where the false structures of colonialism exist and then what is underneath that and what's underneath that ends up resonating outside of language or thought sometimes with our bodies and it does feel like such a it's like a it can I mean like I don't want to diminish the work that people are writing about and doing in decoloniality but it also can be a very sensed experience I think Mm -hmm. yeah hmm that spills into our 
question on spirituality. So when did, I was going to say, when did spirituality come into focus for you? Or also, when did it come out of focus? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like this is another one I've gotten some like recent intel on because I think like just in the way that memory works, I I would locate um, like high school as like when, you know, meditation was, I was meditating and reading all kinds of books and like watching Waking Life over and over again and being like, whoa, things, dreaming um, and like learning, like kind of like doing some like formal study. But then I was just talking to my aunt and she was, um, she was talking about how like I, as a kid, I would just like sit and like pontificate about like the stars and the moon and the trees (laughs) and how like my mom didn't really have any patience for it but she did so I would like always go to her with all of my like musings and just really like being enchanted with the world um and so I think that that again I mean everything just keeps going back further to like childhood but I feel like it was always kind of a part of me but like I think that I think that in it, it just kind of like it kept kind of like crescendoing and crescendoing, definitely like involving, um, you know, in college, like different um, substances and experiences with different plants and just like knowing that knowing that there is just so much more to this world than than capitalism allows us to like slow down and see and be in relationship with. Yeah. Um, and always wanting to explore that. Like I used to be obsessed. Well, I'm still kind of obsessed with just like creatures and like mermaids and, mm-hmm. and yetis and ETs and like all of the things. And so like that, that's been a through line for sure. Um, yeah. But I think really like meeting y'all like kind of kicked that into more gear of being like, oh, this is like, this is like a part of my identity. Like, yeah, you know, I can... Um, like I had never done any like channeling before I met y'all or, you know, not, not that I knew I was doing right. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, I think, and I'm still just really transparently, like still kind of in that murky ground of like, is this part of me? How, who can I, who in my life who already loves me, can I talk to about this and they won't be all weirded out, you know, like how much, how much of this self can I bring? Because it's, it's been there, you know? So I think it's it's always been a part of me, but I'm just learning more and more about it. Um, yeah. 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 It's interesting because I realize the topics that we choose are like in this in this podcast and in just our conversations and like the things that we've directed our life toward, like the three of us, are all ele- identity elements or like, you know, identity, I'm using that in a loose way, but like that... <clears throat> are kind of risky for the mainstream right? To, for us to like be in our fullness around. And so creating this space of power crystals and like it, it gives us a place where we can like freely explore these things. And I've noticed that it also gives our listeners a place to freely explore too, based on the feedback that I get. And that's why like, you know, synchronous not synchronicity but 
vibrational matching or I don't know what I want to say, but like, like the dream is dreaming you. Like we are yeah. seeking more people for this conversation and people are seeking us too, to feel that liberation in being exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to me to feel yeah. like it's always been there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I love about We Are Power Crystals is that it assumes, um, wholeness. So yes. like in, when I was first getting to know Leah, we were talking about, we were working in a metaphysical store. So we're talking about metaphysical things, but also political and like decolonial things. And for me, those conversations helped me to I always felt like my, I didn't know how my dots were connected mm -hmm. and those conversations helped me to feel how they were never apart they're always informing each mm -hmm. other and so when we talk about our metaphysical um perspectives and our political um topics like we're assuming that those things are are linked yeah and so yeah. for me this project is um like showing how it's like a defragmenting so those parts of ourselves that we thought had to be separate, like in the church, in the office, at home, mm -hmm. they can live together here. Um, so for me, it's always, it's, I'm realizing more, it's a practice in, in being whole, these conversations and yeah. bringing all of our parts together and letting them, you know, live and be clumsy and be beautiful together. Mm, yeah. I feel that y'all so much I feel like meeting y'all and knowing y'all that's a, that's been exactly my experience too of like these yeah different parts of me I never thought could live together like oh they're living in the same way in other people too you know yeah. and like mm -hmm. in in yeah. a similar formation to where they can diff our different parts of ourselves can talk to each other in a really beautiful way and I yeah oh I feel that so much yeah me too <laughs> Well, I feel like this has been a really great introduction. Um, there's so much more to come and so many ways that you're going to get to share everything with everybody that listens. And I feel like people are just going to love you so much the way that they love us mm -hmm. and are just waiting to know you. So this has been so cool. Is there anything else that we've missed that we should talk about? in this introduction no i really enjoyed the way you've presented to us katie the medicine of slowness mm -hmm. um definitely going to be thinking about that this week mm, yay. Yeah. yeah um all right so we're gonna close this episode katie do you want to share any way that people can get in touch with you or People can just message us through We Are Power Crystals on Instagram if they want to get in touch with you. I don't know what your preference is. Yeah, you could message We Are Power Crystals or you can um, also just in access my Instagram and I'm at Soft Butch Diaries. Yeah, and you can find that in our um, link in our bio for, our, for Power Crystals um, on Instagram. You can find a link to Katie's um, Instagram. But this has been so cool. I'm so excited. Like, there's so much juice between 
you know, for like the collaboration of the three of us. And I, I know more power crystals are going to join us in the future. And this is, I don't know, this has been very exciting to make this a fish. I'm so pumped to be yeah. here. Now. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.